0: I invite you to turn with me to, in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. I want to read the verses 18 through 25. 18 to the end of the chapter, very well known portion of scripture of course. Matthew chapter 1 beginning to read at verse 18 this is the word of the Lord now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Spirit then Joseph her husband being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly The virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, and all of that narrative will make up text for this morning. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ gathered here with me in Bowmanville this morning. Last week we were called to a week of preparation. We were admonished to examine our hearts, to determine our relationship to Jesus Christ and to one another, and then this morning as we entered the sanctuary, we saw a table prepared for those belonging to the New Testament church who long for the returning of him who has loved them and saved them. And in that context, taking note of the season as well, I meditate with you for a few moments this morning on the scriptural account of some of those in the Old Testament who also eagerly, eagerly looked for, waited for the coming of the Messiah, Redeemer. And so I want to administer God's word to you this morning using it as my simple theme A remnant celebrates Advent. Our text tells us of Joseph as we read the narrative together. Our text tells us of Joseph, but within the context, it is safe for us to say that Joseph is representative of a very small group of individuals who appear in the Christmas story in Scripture. Follow with me. The text paints Joseph as a man who was faithful, obedient, tender-hearted, deeply reverent, Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man. He was, he was a righteous man in the Old Testament sense of the word. He was just. He was also merciful. His, his plan was to divorce Mary. His intention was to, to put her away quietly because the, the evidence suggested that she was an adulteress. She was betrothed to him, but it appears she had not been faithful to him, but even in the face of what, ha- what he had to believe was her betrayal, <clears throat> even in the midst of what must have been his own bitter disappointment and even embarrassment, he was considered of her feelings and her reputation. He could have made her a public spectacle because of the perceived betrayal, but no, being a righteous man, he determined to part company with her quietly. He was a kind, godly man. In other words, he was a man very much like his wife Mary. You see, according to Scripture, Mary too was a a devout and a righteous young woman, And, and that ought not to surprise us, From time to from time immemorial, godly young men and godly young women have been drawn to each other in a large part because they admired the faith and the holiness that they saw in one another. Young Christian men and young Christian women naturally look for a mate who shares a like precious faith with them, and so too for Joseph. He was attracted to Mary's holiness, and he wanted her as wife. She had agreed. But before the marriage was consummated, she was found to be with child. And you know the story. But Joseph, being a righteous, pious man, had decided to quietly go on with his life without her. But but then Joseph was moved by the Holy Spirit to believe the message the Lord gave him in that dream. That was an expression of his faith. And he did what he was told. That was an expression of his obedience. Joseph had faith in God, and his faith came to expression in obedience. He kept Mary and believed the child to be the product of the Holy Spirit. Joseph believed and Joseph obeyed. And those attributes, faith and obedience, mark the character of the people who are scattered throughout the Christmas narratives in Matthew and Luke. And so Joseph goes with Mary to Bethlehem. We know so precious little of the human parents of our Lord. Mary, for instance, remains a relatively minor character in the gospel history. We're told very little about her, and yet that little that we have speaks volumes. She was a master of scripture, young as she was, she knew her Bible. She constructed a magnificent song or a poem. We know it as the, as the Magnificat, of the, or if you will, the Song of Mary. And in it, she strings together a whole series of phrases taken directly from Old Testament scripture. So obviously, she knew her Bible. She was a young girl, and yet she knew her Bible. We know also that she was a, a woman or a girl of faith, of humility, of obedience, and she was animated by a love for the church of God. Several times in her great poem, she thinks of what these extraordinary developments of the coming Messiah mean, not for herself alone, but for the people of God collectively, for the church. We know also that Joseph and Mary were simple people. They certainly were not people of means. We're told that when they came to the temple to offer sacrifices at the consecration of their firstborn son, they offered a pair of birds, not a lamb. A pair of birds was the offering prescribed for the poor, for those who could not afford a lamb. And in that same class of people, we had Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a priest. He wasn't a significant priest. He didn't even live in Jerusalem where the temple was. That's where all the important theologians congregated, but Zechariah was not among them. He lived in the hill country of Judea. And he and Elizabeth, his wife, they were by this time an older couple, and as we know, they were childless. But when the Lord came suddenly into his temple and the angel appeared to Zechariah, it's clear that the angel came to a godly man, a faithful man. And and though he briefly stumbled over the amazing news that was given to him, Luke makes a special point of telling us that both Zechariah and Elizabeth were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Again, according to scripture, like Mary and Joseph... The holy, sacred things of God were important to Zechariah and Elizabeth. They feared God. They loved the temple. They worshipped faithfully and they sacrificed regularly and obediently. We learn much the same thing about Simeon and Anna in Luke 2. Simeon was an old man who had long been waiting for the consolation of Israel. He knew of the promised Messiah and he waited year after year. He waited and looked for him and finally God gave him the desire of his heart. The spirit of God had prompted him to be in the temple on the precise day when Joseph and Mary came to present their firstborn son to the Lord. And we can almost, through the eyes of our faith, we can almost envision the old man with his eyes glistening with tears as he holds the baby in his arms and he praises God that his life had been spared long enough to actually see the Messiah with his own eyes what an example of love of faith and and and, and joy in the Lord the same attitude is found in anna we know she had been married young but she had been widowed after just 7 years of marriage and now at the time of our text, she was at least in her 80s. She was a woman who so loved the worship of God that Luke says she, she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And people, God, as I consulted my commentaries while preparing this sermon, I was, I was deeply moved when one of them, a plumber is his name, one of, one of them observed that Simeon and Anna were representatives of the holiness, which in a time of great spiritual deadness still survived among the men and women of Israel. He says these are instances of that spontaneous priesthood which sometimes springs up and often among the lower orders when the regular (coughs) clergy had become corrupt and secularized. In other words... This commentator identified Simeon and Anna as a remnant of pious, believing people living in a world of unbelief in a church led by unbelieving clergymen. Dark, spiritually dark were those days in Palestine, but but the times were very similar to our time today. Anna and Simeon were part of a small group of Christians surrounded by a world hostile to true Christianity. Those were the days of Anna and Simeon and Joseph and Mary, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And there would have been more to be sure, but these people in particular (coughs) <coughs> are singled out in the biblical record and it's interesting for us to note that not one of these people surfaces in any of the historical record of, of the of the period. Not one of them was of any consequence in the political or the social life of Galilee or Judea at that time. None was a household name. None was an individual that would have been recognized on the street. None of them were what we would call heroes or celebrities. no. Oh, perhaps not in the eyes of men, but, but, but what they had in common was a living faith that worked through love and that made, them sus, that made them celebrities in God's eyes. They were Christians in the truest sense of the word, even before the term came into use. They loved the Lord and they sought to please him. And that is the significance of these insignificant people. They were a small remnant, among a nation that had apostatized. And we need to understand that it was because of their faith that the Lord's birth and the events surrounding that event take place among these insignificant people. My dear people, God, true religion had been all but lost in Palestine. All people were still religious. Some were very religious, They still spoke of God's love and even of his grace, but there was no longer any place in their minds or their hearts for a Messiah. Apart from that small remnant, the religious people no longer longed for a redeemer who would die for the sins of the world. Zechariah and Elizabeth, Joseph and Mary, Simeon and Anna, they were part of that small remnant within a church which had become so spiritually and theologically corrupt and that the corruption of the church would ultimately culminate in the church herself demanding the crucifixion of the Messiah for whom they claimed to be waiting. But congregation, that, that the faithful within the church had shrunk to such a small remnant ought not to surprise us that there should be such a small remnant of faithful men and women at such a critical juncture in the history of salvation should not surprise us. It has always been the case. Think, for example, the days of Moses and the the exodus from Egypt. That picture of Israel being led by the Lord out of Egyptian bondage is the Old Testament image of God, saving a fallen race from the clutches of Satan and hell itself. But think with me that whole great company that the Lord rescued perished in the wilderness because they did not have true and living faith in God. Though God was with them and acted miraculously to save them, though though Christ accompanied them in the wilderness to provide for them, as Paul says, though they had the gospel preached to them, as we read in Hebrews, still they were not saved because they did not have faith. They were not people like Joseph and Mary, Simeon and Anna. They were rather like the church members of the time Jesus was born. Religious to be sure, but not gospel believers, not true followers of Christ. But there in the desert, there among all of that unbelief, even there there was still a remnant. A handful of true worshipers who truly loved the Lord and obeyed him, trusted him. There were Joseph and Caleb There was Moses and Aaron and Phinehas, and and no doubt there were others, but they they were a remnant, as the Old Testament prophet would later call them. They were a small group of faithful Christians in a largely unfaithful church. Think with me at the time of Elisha and Elijah. In Elijah's time, there were only 7,000 among the several millions of Israelites who, who who had bowed the knee to Baal. The clergy itself was profoundly corrupt and the people were content to to, to have it so. The church was worldly. The church was uninterested in the word of God. It was dazzled by the pagan worship of the nations round about and Israel came to prefer pagan worship. But there were some who were faithful. Even in such an unfaithful time, we remember, for instance, especially Obadiah, the man who actually held an important office in the court of the wicked king Ahab. And the Bible tells tells us of him that he loved the Lord greatly. Here was a man who served one of the most wicked kings in Israel's history, and yet he was himself a man like Joseph and Simeon and Zechariah. You know the story. He was one of those 7,000 who had not bowed their knees to Baal my dear people of God all through the Old Testament prophets we find this teaching about the remnant and as we read the historical record it becomes clear that there there are comparatively few times in the history of the church when we find most people who call themselves Christians to actually be embracing the true Christian faith and practicing true Christian life most of the time both then and now the largest number of church members have been unsaved. And almost always, throughout all of church history, there has been only a remnant of faithful people among the masses of those who claim to believe but do not follow the Lord. The kingdom of God is usually found among a remnant. And the picture of this, of this remnant was a major theme in the teaching of the Old Testament prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Zechariah, they all worked with remnants within a larger church. Time and again throughout Scripture, we see God preserving <coughs> for himself a remnant of faithful men and women, even when his people as a whole have, been, have, have betrayed his covenant. Time and time again, as the church apostatized, God saves a remnant, and from them he rebuilds his kingdom And when the Lord Jesus is sent by his father into the world as as the infant son of a virgin mother, it is into that circle of the remnant that he comes. He comes to Joseph and Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Anna, Simeon, and the shepherds. And and he will later gather, uh, gather around himself another small company out of that remnant. He would call the twelve and the, and the women who followed him and it will be, it'll be folk from this small remnant of true believers who overcome by grief would watch him die at the hands of the church and it would be members of that remnant who would reverently and lovingly lay his body in the tomb <coughs> and it will be upon this remnant that the Holy Spirit would then fall and out of that remnant would come the powerful force that would, over the next 30 years or so, turn the world upside down. But throughout all of church history, it is usually a small remnant of faithful Christians existing in a great church, and by and large, that has lost its way. My dear precious saints of God gathered with me here in Bowmanville this morning. It was that way when Jesus was born. It is still so today. Think with me. There are millions, perhaps billions of people in the world, and so very many of them consider themselves to be Christians of some sort. But how many of them truly know and love the Lord Christ? How many of those millions, perhaps billions of people who identify themselves as Christians evidence that by by living a life of obedient service to the Lord? Oh, I hasten to add that there are indeed many real Christians in our land and throughout the world, but they represent only a small remnant among those who claim the name of Christ, and that remnant is getting smaller with each passing year. Mighty people, God, continue to follow me. Think with me of the Christmas season in which we find ourselves. What you see is that the whole world sings with you of the birth of Jesus. The malls and the stores cease to play the carols of the season. Schools have pageants and nativity scenes light up and uh, are, uh, light up many yards and, and even elaborate scenes of the baby in the manger on almost every street corner but, on, but only a very few of those people who construct those very scenes also honor him as Lord and Saviour and devote their lives to his service. Only very few of them are as Joseph and Zechariah and Mary and Elizabeth, only a handful of Christians are living blameless lives of worship and obedience. Only a few of them, as Anna and Simeon, have in their hearts a longing to see the consolation of Israel. Or in the language of our text of this morning, only a few of them would know what the angel meant, would really know what he meant when he said to Joseph, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin." congregation of the millions upon millions of people who will celebrate Christmas with you in the coming weeks only a few really understand and appreciate how much the Christian history or the Christmas history is a message about salvation salvation from sin Zechariah and Elizabeth Joseph Mary Simeon Anna they understood that the Jews of their day by and large did not Jesus' great objection to the thinking of the church of his day was how the Jews had a diminished view of their sin and an exalted view of themselves. They thought and they taught that if they lived good moral lives, if they kept the law to the minutest detail, surely God would welcome them into his heaven. And my dear precious saints of God, that is the precise theology of the Canadian Christmas He knows if you've been good or bad, so be good for goodness' sake. But it's not the theology of the Christmas in the Bible. No. Men and women apart from Christ are dead in sin and trespass. Zechariah knew of that as we listened to him saying that Jesus came to give his people salvation through the forgiveness of their sin. And our sin today, yours and mine, people of God, it is is—it is no less of an abomination to the Lord. And that's why Jesus Christ came into the world to deliver us from these sins which have so corrupted and perverted our lives. But the problem then and now is that people want to know nothing of the need of a savior from their sin. But these simple people Zechariah, Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary, Simeon, Anna, they knew. They knew there were sinners desperately in need of a Savior. They knew that they could never be right with God unless somehow their sin was taken away. And when the birth of Jesus was announced, it thrilled them to the marrow of their very bones, for he had come to save them from their sin. The Lord has done great things for me, Mary would sing, and that song is in the heart and on the lips of everyone who knew that Jesus came into the world to save from sin. My dear people of God, for the world, Christmas is pleasant. It's fun. It's a time of family time of food and festivities, of pageants, presents, programs. Oh, how impoverished for Joseph and the remnant with them. Christmas was, it was earth-shaking. It was breathtaking. It was wonderful beyond the power of words to describe, but it was so, it is still so to only a handful, only a remnant whose genuine faith had. Understands the Christmas history to be about the appearance of a Savior who shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. That's what it was that made Christmas so special. The Christ child, the Savior. That's what these simple people understood. Most of their contemporaries did not understand this, even the highly religious among them, even the priests and the religious teachers of the law. Their expectation of the Messiah was completely different than that of Joseph and Mary, Simeon and Anna. These simple folk, they knew they needed a savior. They didn't deserve one, but they needed one, and they longed for one. It's no small thing that people like these people should figure so prominently in the history of Jesus' birth. They were not great, not as the world counts greatness. They were not important people. They were very ordinary in almost every every way. But they knew something that the world did not know. They knew something even most of the church did not know. These insignificant people... They knew something only a small remnant knows even still today, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. They loved and they worshipped him as their savior because they knew they needed to be saved. And save them he did. precious people of God gathered with me here in this place, here in this church, here in this world Christ has prepared a table and he has extended an invitation to celebrate that forgiveness of sin in a very particular way but hear me well that invitation was not extended to all it was extended only to that faithful remnant if you do not know or do not believe that Jesus came in Bethlehem to die on Golgotha for your sin, then this table is not for you. And we would expect and urge that you would decline the invitation, lest you eat and drink judgment unto yourself. Last week we were admonished to spend a week in self-examination. You were admonished to ask yourself, am I like Joseph and Mary, Simeon, Anna, Zechariah, Elizabeth? Am I like them in these most important ways? Do I welcome the infant king for the same reasons they welcomed him and rejoiced at his coming? Do my eyes glisten with tears of joy like those of Simeon when he said, Now let thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes Have seen the Lord's salvation are you able to say with Simeon Lord I'm ready to go home because I know the Lord Christ has come to save me from my sin if so then Christ your Savior welcomes you to this table for he welcomes you to see through the eyes of your faith to see and to taste and to see his body broken, his blood shed, unto a complete remission of your sin. Shall we pray? Father, along with the prophets may we say, then may we hope, angelic hosts among to sing redeemed a glad triumphal song. He that was born upon this joyful day, around us all his glory will display. Saved by his love, incessant we will sing eternal praise to heaven's almighty king.